0: Hi, and welcome to Better Than New, the podcast to help you find a cool used car, truck, or SUV at a price you love. I'm your host, Gary Crenshaw, and I'm a big fan of station wagons, a type of car that's fallen out of favor with Americans and has been almost completely replaced by SUVs and crossovers. Now, there are still a few wagons being sold in the U.S., but those that remain seem to hide behind euphemistic names like Sport Turismo or Avant or Estate Car. And my personal favorite, the Shooting Brake. It's kind of a British thing, but anyway, if you love wagons like me, and even if you don't, today's better than new used vehicle might be of interest because it's a badass wagon made by the Dodge Boys that has a little bit of something for everyone. And I'll tell you what it is, And why you might want one in just a moment. So hop in, buckle up, and let's go for a drive. So today's better-than-new used vehicle is the Dodge Magnum, sold in the U.S. from model years 2005 through 2008. Now like so many other manufacturers, Dodge didn't call their wagon a wagon either. In fact, I just read through the entire 2005 brochure for this thing, and the word wagon was completely absent. They simply called it Magnum. And like wagons of yesteryear, the Dodge Magnum provided plenty of space for four to five people and all their stuff. But what made it vastly different from Grandpa's station wagon was its badass muscle car styling with performance to match. As long as you got it with the available 5.7, or 6.1 liter Hemi V8 engine. Now if that sounds like your kind of wagon, then let's dig a little deeper into the details. So the Magnum is a long, low, and sleek looking five-passenger muscle wagon, and its chopped long roof styling was really polarizing when teased as a design concept back in 2003 at the Los Angeles Auto Show. Now, People loved it, or they kind of hated it. Now that said, Dodge is known for some bold designs, and personally, I like the chunky, funky, chopped-roof styling of their Magnum wagon. I also like the fact that it came in different flavors, so you could haul people and stuff in more ways than one. So when the Magnum was launched in 2005, the following configurations were offered to buyers. Now, the base model was called the Magnum SE, and it was rear-wheel drive, and it came with a 2.7-liter V6, It made 190 horsepower and 190 pound-feet of torque. had a four-speed automatic. It had four-wheel disc brakes. It had cloth bucket seats and cloth interior. And it came with 17-inch steel wheels with wheel covers. It was nice, but, you know, frankly, it was really basic. And the V6, in my opinion, is underpowered for this car, especially for the looks and size of the vehicle. So I wouldn't get the 2.7-liter V6 and a Magnum SE. I just wouldn't do it. Next up was the Magnum SXT. It was rear wheel drive, and they added a 3.5 liter V6 that made 250 horsepower and 250 pound feet of torque. They also added stability control and all speed traction control. You got anti lock brakes, they were standard. There were also 17 inch alloy wheels, not the steel wheels anymore, and it had decent power in a balanced rear wheel drive package. So, if you're going to get a base-level Magnum, this is the one to get. Now, stepping up from that was the Magnum SXT with all-wheel drive. Of course, you got the all-wheel drive system, along with a 5-speed transmission instead of the 4-speed. There was an upgraded performance disc brake package with anti-lock, and it had unique 18-inch alloy wheels and a larger fuel tank. So, if you live in a state where it snows a lot, or the roads are wet and slick a lot of the time, maybe the all-wheel drive version is for you. Something to think about. And after that, we get to the really interesting stuff. Starting with the Magnum RT, this was rear-wheel drive, but it came with the 5.7-liter Hemi V8 that made 340 horsepower and 390 pound-feet of torque. It also had the five-speed automatic transmission, had a leather interior with eight-way power driver seat. It came with an upgraded sound system, a Boston Acoustic six-speaker sound system, and it had also unique 18-inch polished aluminum wheels and fog lights, and a stainless steel dual exhaust to go with that V8. So that is kind of the beginning of the really amazing muscle car version of the Magnum. And the Magnum RT was also available in all-wheel drive to help you hook up that V8 power on slick and snow-covered roads. And then in 2006, the second model year of the Magnum, that saw the introduction of the Magnum SRT8. This is the big mac daddy. This is the big dog, okay? Rear-wheel drive only, but it came with a 6.1-liter V8 engine that made 425 horsepower and 420 pound-feet of torque. This was basically a bored-out 5.7-liter V8 that bumped up displacement by about 7%, but other changes, including a forged crank, billet camshafts, raised compression ratio, and hollow valve stems, bumped up the horsepower by 25% over the 5.7 liter Hemi engine's 340 horsepower number. Now, that was a big difference, and it's one of the reasons why the SRT8 Magnums command a premium price on the used car market. Okay, so those are the basic configurations for the Dodge Magnum wagon. But the big question is, why would you want one? Well, you might want one if you like wagons. I mean, come on, if you don't like wagons, you're not going to like this thing, right? Now, you might want one if you like edgy styling. Now, this definitely has some edgy styling. And like I said earlier, when it was first introduced in 2003 at the LA Auto Show, a lot of people were, you know, they loved it or they hated it. But, you know, personally, I find it cool. So if you like this kind of styling, this is for you. Now, you might want one if... You want a vehicle with the capacity to comfortably haul five people, but you also want it to haul in other ways as well. Now, if that's the case, the Magnum with a Hemi V8, take your choice, the 5.7 or the 6.1, is pretty tempting. It's a lot of horsepower, a lot of torque, a lot of fun. So, think about that. You also might want one if you like the looks and you like the V8 engine option of the Dodge Magnum, but you need all-wheel drive part of the year where you live hey, no worries. Like I said, you can get the Magnum RT, the 5.7 liter Hemi V8 model, with all-wheel drive. So you can have your V8 fun and traction at the same time. And finally, you might want one if the idea of having the quickest, most badass family hauler in your neighborhood truly appeals to you. Well, you're in luck, because as I mentioned, The badass Magnum wagon comes in SRT8 form, so it can back up its muscle car looks with serious muscle car performance from a 6.1 liter V8. Okay, so those are some of the reasons why you might want a Dodge Magnum, right? But what are some other things that make it great? Well, first of all, this was back in the time when Dodge and Chrysler were owned by Daimler Chrysler, you know, mercedes And so there's Mercedes DNA kind of baked into this thing. It also looks cool. We've talked about that. And it's not like everything else. It's not an SUV. It's not a crossover. Yet it can do a lot of what those vehicles can do. You know, it's got space for five people, four comfortably, but really five. It's got a lot of room. I mean, you could put five, six footers in there and everybody would be fine. And it's got 27 cubic feet of cargo space behind the rear seat. That's a lot of space. You can put a lot of stuff back there. Now, what else makes it great is the performance. Starting with the Magnum RT, so if you look at the like the zero to sixty times and the quarter mile times from uh, contemporary road tests, like you know road and track, car and driver, etc. So, road and track for the Magnum RT rear wheel drive got, did zero to sixty in six point one seconds, and it covered the quarter mile in fourteen point six at ninety seven point four miles per hour. I mean, that's quick. It's not crazy quick by today's standards, but it's really, really quick. And that 5.7 liter V8 makes a great sound. Car and driver got similar times. Again, 0 to 60 in 6.1 seconds, quarter mile, 14.7 at 97 miles per hour. So again, quick stuff from the Magnum RT. Braking was great too um, for something especially that big. They're like forty two hundred pounds, forty three hundred pounds, and it's on a hundred and twenty inch wheelbase, so it's a long wheelbase, but it does have short overhangs, so kind of cuts down on the overall length, but you know, it's a big car. Still, it brakes great, it handles well for the size, so that's cool. And when you move up to the SRT eight, the performance is pretty phenomenal. So Motor Trend back in the day, they tested the car and it got zero to sixty in five point one seconds and covered the quarter mile in 13.1 seconds at 108 miles per hour. Car and driver, same 0-60 to time, 5.1, and the quarter mile was 13.6 at 106, so a little bit slower, but, you know, there's going to be variations of temperature and traction at the available track they tested at, that sort of thing. But those are the kind of times that you can count on. I've even seen some quarter mile times that drop into the 12, so, you know, for a stock car right out of the showroom. That's pretty amazing. And for a wagon, uh, it's pretty incredible. Now, as we know, when it comes to cars, used cars as well, nothing's perfect, right? So what are some of the things that aren't so great about the Dodge Magnum? Well, the first one I'm going to say is fuel economy. It's not great. You know, you're going to get like 14 in the city, over 20 on the highway, 20, 21, 22, that sort of thing. If you want a wagon that gets really great gas mileage, then how about a Prius V from 2012 to 2017? Maybe that's more your speed. But if you're not too worried about fuel economy, you know, 14 city, 20 highway, that's what you're looking at. Another thing that's not so great, well, it is great, but it's not great. Rear-wheel drive dynamics on a car like this, it's certainly fun. And for the drivers with experience, you can have a lot of fun in a rear-wheel drive car. But it's not ideal for new drivers or drivers with... I guess poor executive function or slow reflexes or maybe a combination thereof. This is a driving platform for expert drivers. Novices need not apply, especially when you throw in the torque of the V8, the Hemis. Yeah, don't give one to your 16-year-old kid. That's a bad idea. Another thing that's not so great is on the inside, the interior plastics, they're kind of hard, kind of, I don't want to say cheap, but they're they're not awesome. They're okay, but they're not great, so a lot of people complain about that. The windows, they're kind of small, they're very low, and they make it hard to see out of, especially in the back. If you're backing up, things that are below the window line sort of disappear. You can't see a long ways behind the car, so something to keep in mind. You know, you might want to add a backup camera to this or, you know, use your psychic abilities or something, but it's hard to see out of with the with the small windows, Okay. Now, some people complain about the five-speed transmission. I think it shifts fine, but some say it doesn't downshift so quickly. I do have a nit to pick with the manual portion of it. When you pull it down to the manual mode, instead of pushing forward and back to shift up and down, you, you push from side to side, left or right, to shift up and down. That doesn't seem intuitive to me. It's a minor thing, but, you know, it's there, so keep that in mind. Take one for a long test drive when you check it out. See if you really like it. Now, something on the transmission that does become a problem, over time, these things can get stuck in park. (laughs) You know, you're not going anywhere if you can't take your car out of park, right? There are these little plastic tabs that are underneath the panel around the shift lever, and you have to pry those loose, and then there's these little pink plastic parts that you have to push in, and then you can shift it out of park and into drive. That's just to get you to where you need to be. But eventually, you're going to have to take that thing into a mechanic and have a more permanent fix done, so it's not going to lock in part. But this is going to be on higher mileage cars, you know, 60, 80, 100,000 miles, maybe beyond that. So one of the big things I need to bring up is the Takata airbags that came on this car. Now, a lot of vehicles from this same era had Takata airbags and components made by Takata. There's a company in Japan that made these parts, and... Over time, they can have these issues where the bags can either go off prematurely, and when they do go off, they can send out like literally metal shrapnel that can harm you or kill you. And the Dodge Magnum, along with a lot of other cars from this era, it's not just the Magnum, has recalls on this. So you want to double check using the VIN number from the car you're looking at, if you got one that you want to buy. You want to check that with NHTSA, the National Highway and Transportation Safety Administration. You can go on their website, and you can just plug in the VIN number, and it will tell you if the Takata airbag has been replaced or not, or any other recalls for the car. So you can check that stuff there. But definitely do that. And if it does need an airbag, you know, you might want to have it towed. Put it on a flatbed. Tow it over. Because that's dangerous. If somebody hit you or you got in an accident, that thing went off, uh, you know, it might be your last day. So don't do that. Have it checked out. And again, it's not just the Magnum. It's a ton of cars from this era that have this problem. So whatever you're looking at from the you know mid-2000s, definitely check the NHTSA website to see if it has a recall on the Takata airbag. Another problem I saw out on the inner tubes was dropped valve seats in the 5.7 liter Hemi V8. Now, I don't want to say it's a common problem, But apparently it's a problem. So what it is, the head on the car is made of aluminum, and the valve seat is a steel seat. I don't know the exact metal it's made of, but the two different metals heat and cool and expand and contract at different temperatures. So apparently what happens over time is those valve seats can literally drop out and fall down into the combustion chamber of a cylinder. And if that happens, then, you know, makes a mess of things. It, you know, pounds into the head. It pounds up the top of the piston. If you keep running the car and it's making some crazy noise, you want to turn it off immediately. Okay. Now, is it really common? I don't know. I It's not something that would stop me from buying one of these cars if I was interested. But I think it would make it much more important to make sure that you buy a car that's got low miles. And it's from, you know, an owner that has taken good care of the car. Think of it this way. When you're buying a car like this, you're really buying the former owner as much as you're buying the car. So a problem like a dropped valve seat could be due to, you know, some young driver who likes to just hoon their wagon all the time, they're out sliding around, uh, basically running it up to the rev limiter and just banging against the rev limiter. I wouldn't want to buy a car that's been treated like that all the time. I don't care if people accelerate hard in their cars. I mean, I do that. Everybody does that if you have a car like this, but If you're out racing it all the time or, you know, I don't know, just abusing it, there's a difference between abuse and enjoyment. And sometimes it's a fine line, but in the case of some of these cars, yeah, you can look at YouTube and there's a lot of idiots who go out and just drive these things till they blow up. I don't want that car. And you probably don't either. So I would say it's really important in a car like this to find an owner that's like one or two owners. They have maintenance records that they can prove that the maintenance was done. The mileage is low, under, say, 80,000 miles, and it's you know, regular oil changes and that sort of thing. Also been in no accidents. You want to have a car that's as pristine as possible. And all this stuff makes a thorough inspection at the end. After you test drive it and make sure it's the car you want, take it in for a pre-purchase inspection. Find a Dodge mechanic who can check out the car, and they can look for all the problems that a car like this might have. Now, they won't find everything, and it's not perfect, but they can tell you if there's any big maintenance item coming up, or if maybe the car's been in an accident, even if the owner claims it hadn't, that sort of thing. This is the kind of car where you have to say, caveat emptor, let the buyer beware. So just be aware, there's some issues. It's not perfect. Like all used cars, not perfect. But definitely a cool car, so, you know, just give it an extra look. Okay, so assuming you still want to get a Dodge Magnum, which configurations of Dodge Magnum do I recommend? So I think the Magnum SXT with the 3.5 liter V6 that makes 250 horsepower is sort of the minimum configuration that you want to have. You definitely want at least that whether it's rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. However, it seems to me, it's just me, but I think you'd want to have a V8 in this wagon. It matches the looks. It matches the attitude. It just goes with the Magnum. Now, the 5.7-liter Hemi V8 with 340 horsepower and 390 pound-feet of torque is probably plenty for most people, and all-wheel drive is available with the 5.7, so for slick roads and snowy environment. That could be the right choice. But for the truly committed, I think the 425 horsepower, 6.1 liter V8 in the SRT8 version is sort of the holy grail, the must have. But having said that, you're going to pay for the privilege. So the value choice is really the Dodge Magnum RT with the 5.7 liter Hemi V8. Rear wheel drive, all wheel drive, your choice. But that's the value price point in this vehicle. Now speaking of prices, what should you expect to pay for something like this? Now at the low end, the base or SE models with the 2.7 liter six cylinder, they can be really inexpensive, especially with higher mileage. They're going to be five thousand dollars or less. I've seen them down, you know, two, three thousand bucks. But (laughs) I would avoid those as they tend to be not great condition. So skip that. Move on. Starting with the Magnum SXT and its 3.5 liter V6. I saw a lot of them with mileage between 70 and 100,000 miles, priced between about seven dollars to $10,000. These were mostly from dealerships, but that's where the prices were. Now, these are asking prices. What they're actually selling for is another question, but right now, that's what I'm seeing. Now, for the Magnum RT with rear-wheel drive, those averaged a bit more with similar mileage. Again, that's 70,000 to 100,000 miles. And prices that I saw for those cars were between ten and 14000 depending, again, on the condition of the car. Okay? Now, could you find something for less? Sure. You want to look longer and work harder and be the first one to call when an ad goes up on Craigslist? Yeah, you could probably find something cheaper. But it's going to be a lot of work. So this is kind of the price range you're looking at for an asking price, and uh, mostly from dealers at this point. $10,000 to $14,000. Now, you will see higher asking prices for RTs with all-wheel drive and low mileage. But again, it kind of depends on what part of the country you're in. It depends on the condition of the vehicle. You know, it depends upon the, you know, the phase of the moon. Sometimes pricing is just sort of hard to get a handle on. You just have to put in the time and the effort to find a decent vehicle at a price that's acceptable to you, okay? Now, moving on to the SRT8, these are really specialty cars, And they're priced as such. They're collector's items. The production numbers were quite small. Basically, there's around 4,000 of these that were produced over that three year time period, 2006 through 2008. Remember, they weren't available in 2005. The 2006 SRT 8s, according to one source, it showed 2,970 produced for that year. 2007 had 921 in 2008. I saw 240 in one source and 291 for another source, totaling that up. You get about a little over 4100 for the three-year run. That's not a lot of cars, okay? And I think some of those have already been wrecked and they're off the road. They're already gone. They've been totaled <laughs> because somebody with, you know, more brawn than brains put their foot into it and wrapped it around a telephone pole. So some of those cars are gone. Now, looking at prices... Most of the ones that I saw were in decent condition were priced between twenty-five to $30,000. That was kind of the lion's share of vehicles, just taking a nationwide sample. Now, being a specialty car, prices go way up from there for extremely low miles examples. Now, I saw some SRT8s with really low miles, like 40,000 miles, 30,000 miles on the odometer. And those had asking prices of 35000 40000 45000 even more. They were pretty expensive. But if you go out and you look on some auction sites where you know the car is actually sold for a specific dollar amount, and I'll use, again, bring a trailer. I went there, and there were three that sold in 2022 that had no reserve, and I think they sold in the $32,000, $33,000 range. And those were for, you know, relatively low miles. I think one of them had 50,000 miles on it, so it was low mileage. People weren't willing to pay more than about 30 to 35 for a car like that. So those are real prices. Now, there could be something with super low miles that sells for a lot more money. But an SRT8 is probably going to start at 25 and go on up from there. So just keep that in mind. So, if you think the Dodge Magnum is for you, I would keep watching for good vehicles in your local market over the next couple of months. Look, winter's still here, but as we transition from winter to spring and better weather... Each passing month is going to bring more Magnums out of the garage and onto the pages of Auto Trader, Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, and wherever else you might find used cars for sale in your area. And for my money, I think an RT version with low miles, consistent maintenance, one or two owners, and no accidents will likely offer the best combination of V8 wagon fun and reliability. But don't forget the pre-purchase inspection on this one, okay? Okay. And with that, thanks for listening to this episode, and if you like what you've heard, please subscribe to this podcast so I can continue to bring you reviews of cool used cars, trucks, and SUVs available at a price you'll love. And until next time, I'm Gary Crenshaw, this is Better Than New, and I'm really glad you came along for the ride.